Welcome to the, I suspect, final episode in our Healing Through Consciousness series. It'll be the final curtain for this series, unless I discover more pearls from past programs that are relevant. Of course, <laughs> I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones, and I've been working through old episodes of my Thinking with Somebody Else's Head podcasts and re-editing them into shorter programs based on single themes. The first foray into that format was our Modern Relevance of God 17-part series, which, by the way, has been turned into an actual book now. Pretty proud of that. And I'm working on a book from this series, too, so more on that to come. Dr. Claudia Bernhard Pacheco and I considered a painful email from a listener on our last Healing Through Consciousness episode, a woman struggling with the mortality of her dear sister. And Dr. Claudia offered some wonderful words of consolation about the passage from this mortal coil to the everlasting eternal life of the soul, uh, words that are relevant for all of us in this temporal world. But today, I'd like to take another extract from that longer program to deal with another vital area of the process of death, something we would all do well to consider. And that is that many times we're not only suffering from the physical loss of someone dear to us, but also from the consciousness their death brings to us of something related to ourselves. So, how to help our listener deal with what she referred to as the state of shock, sadness, disbelief, and blind fear and terror she feels at the impending death of her dear sister. Here's Dr. Claudia Bernhard Pacheco. So one thing that I would tell her, you are not that worried only with your sister. You are mostly worried with yourself. And how much your sister, like, you will miss her. So it's also an egotistic kind of approach because when someone dies and other people suffer, suffer, suffer and cry, they are not only crying for the beloved ones right? because they are somewhere. They may be even better than we are here. So it's not a matter of crying for them. But I'm missing that person for what he or she represents to me. What is the comfort and the good feelings and the love I receive from that person. So uh, crying and uh, grieving the death of someone can be very egotistic position. Yeah, not to say that we're not going to feel sadness, of course. You're not talking sure. about that. You're talking about the deeper aspect of this. Too emotional, yes. exaggerated kind of thing. This is one thing. Another thing, who says that the person is really going away from us and being apart from us? So who says this? The materialistic inverted society upside-down society that thinks that uh, we are our bodies, our physical bodies, and not that we are mostly our um, psychological, spiritual kind of energetic being. So who says to her that she's not going to communicate with her sister any longer? Her materialistic philosophy says this to her. So her sister may be even closer to her in the future uh, after she dies than now. So this is also a consciousness that how far she is from her sister now, how distant she is from her sister now, sometimes forgetting about her, not thinking about her, not appreciating, not being grateful to what her sister means to her. So it's her problem always that is being addressed in the situation. Now, there's another interesting thing she said in her letter here that really caught my interest, Claudia. You may have a lot to say about this. She says, where does one find the strength when one feels no strength? I feel helpless to help her, 
and I can hardly fathom having to do my work. I don't even want to work right now. So there's something here that she's... Identifying, you mean. Yeah, and using this situation somehow to fulfill another intention. Is that possible? Yes, it is. And it's a kind of identification. She's identifying herself with her sister dying so young. Because, you know, we are inverted beings. We die because we are inverted. She can be identified with the self-destructivity of her sister. Her sister, if she's a young lady, she must have some self-destructive behavior in her life, which she's not aware of. And then people will say, but all those millions of cases of cancer going on in society right now, would they all be self-destructive? And my idea, as a result of all these researches, we can say that not only we have self-destructive behaviors, but we learn from society, from values, from habits, to commit suicide. The way we eat, the way we think, the way we get emotional, the way we lead our lives, the way society sometimes force us to live. So we are so distant from our essential beings, from our inner selves, that energetically we get all disrupt. Uh, in the cancer, you see a strong electromagnetic components going on inside the cell, which are the free radicals. And there is a, an energetic imbalance inside the cells. So all this psychoenergetic imbalance is a combination of personal values, personal attitudes, personal inversions and pathologies, and sickness in society, which we are influenced by. Yeah. One thing I can see very clearly here as you're speaking, Claudia, is the fact that we are totally addicted even to putting secondary things first. We put so many things that are not important. I'm, I'm thinking of Dr. Kepi's graphic now on the neurosis of having versus the sanity of being. That we want to have fame and glory and money and a big name and dinners in our honor and awards. And this is much more important to us than the qualities of being honest, of being virtuous, of being dedicated, of being responsible, of being kind. Mm -hmm. So we have a very big inversion of values. And this seems to me to speak very clearly to what you're saying now, that we drive ourselves into a completely wrong way of living. Yes, I would not like to sound like a um, preacher preaching that people have cancer because they are egotistic, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is all a, 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 like a, um, a mixture of inversions. Right. And one of the biggest inversions is that we are not tolerant at all with our problems and the problems of people. So we get hateful, intransigent, irritated most of the time. People who are angry because they cannot stand, they cannot bear their own errors or the errors of other people. They get irritated, they get, they get angry. As you said, they give more value to secondary things and not essential things. This lady, I'm not saying it's her problem, but she might be an angry person blaming other people for her problems and unhappiness. She might be a jealous woman with her husband or a jealous lady with other people being envious and jealous for what other people have, or the happiness she imagines, she fantasizes other people have. She may be a person who takes in or uh, preserves thoughts of 
Like she becomes bitter, she bitter. has resentments. Bitter. Yes, resentments. A resentful person. Right. So we are not here we don't, we, to say what, what is her problem, psychological problem, we don't know. Yeah. Because we don't have that many informations. But she must have all these things. And the way she deals with this will determine the degree of unbalance, of psychophysical unbalance. If she is a more flexible, tolerant, compassionate person, she can deal with the, the problematic in a better way. Uh, how to address this? What to do in practice? Good question. One thing is, first of all, for her to think herself innerly. All these questions that I'm bringing. Is, is she identified with her sister? Does she accept that one day she's going to die? How does she face death herself? What is she doing here? Is she spiritually ready to do that? Or is she leading a life that if today she would go and say goodbye, would she feel ready to, to die? And that she'd done everything she needed to do? Is she comfortable with what she should be doing in order to go to the eternal being and say, here I am, so I, I took advantage from the chance you gave me. So is she ready to do that or not? So if she doesn't, she will know this now and she will start preparing herself, not only for herself, but to give comfort to her sister. Look at that, giving comfort to the one who's dying. Isn't that it? Putting ourselves aside a little bit to help those who are passing. I think that goes for those who've already passed, too, right? I remember a student of mine saying she could never be happy at Christmas time because her mother died in December, and Christmas always brought those sad memories. I remember that every time I feel sad at my parents' death, that I must forget about myself and remember the beautiful life they gave me and that they lived. And I remind myself they are still close to me in many ways, closer now than ever. That's considerable comfort. This is Healing Through Consciousness, a special series on thinking with somebody else's head. Thanks so much for tuning in.